Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, which can be found on page 145 in the Pew Bibles or page 284 in the large print Pew Bibles. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, this is a very, very famous passage from the Old Testament. Uh, One that many people will recite multiple times per day. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for all that we have, for all that we are. And God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in us, the work that you're doing through us. That we know that all that we are not yet, you will make us. Lord, we ask that this morning, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, God, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us minds to think, God, that you would give us hearts that are ready to receive your word. God, that by your word and by your spirit, we would be changed, even today, more and more into the likeness of Jesus, into the people that you made us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's pretty short, but there's a lot in there. Turn it into Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It can be found on page 947 or 1815 of the large print pew Bibles. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Paul writing in the church in Ephesus says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is a lot going on this morning. Our congregational meeting afterwards, Thanksgiving lunch, it's that time of year. Which, one of the other traditions that always happens this time of year, is my oldest son and I, I'm sure, once again, we'll go round and round over whether or not, um, which is better and which is disgusting, cranberry sauce or stuffing. We have opposite tastes as it relates to those two, and every year we go around it, I don't think we'll ever convince the other person, but that's where it is. I've got too many things to hold on to. I'm still bringing them out here. All right. And with... Oh, Good grief, I just spilled everything. (laughs) But with everything that's going on, we've been going through the book of Hebrews on Sunday mornings this fall, and we've been kind of marching our way steadily through there and, uh, and seeing how it is that we have been made have we been given access to God the Father through Jesus the Son? And there is uh, nothing more important than Jesus. You can't get away from that. And, uh, and yet, it's the kind of thing that, as we've been talking through this, it could be the case that we could look at that and say, well, yes, we will have access to God someday. Or this access to God is kind of this spiritual matter that has nothing to do with my daily life. And I really hope that's not the impression that you've had, but I could see how that might be the case. That being said, today we're going to take a little break from Hebrews. We're going to push pause on Hebrews because as we have our Thanksgiving lunch, we have our congregational meeting, this seems like a particularly good time to talk about who we are as a church and what it is that we do as a church and how that relates uh, to everything that we've been talking about week after week, year after year. And so uh, the first thing I want to talk about, though, is, is we're giving thanks to God in everything. I'm going to talk about some ways that I am particularly thankful to God for this particular congregation. Things that have been going on in the life of this church recently. And I made a list. First of all, several ministries that have been uh, ongoing over time that are still going strong and maybe even stronger than ever. Things like the women of the church, the adult Sunday school, our Wednesday night Bible study, our Eldorado Bible Club, and even our community-wide VBS. I think all of those have been getting better and better year after year, and for that, I am thankful. There are also some new ministries that have begun this year or are being done in very different ways than before. For example, we've combined our youth group, Presbyterian and Methodist youth groups, together, which has allowed us to do something we have not done in my time that I've been here anyway, 
which is to have specific dedicated time for middle school age students and those who are in high school dedicated to time for them as well, which is great. We've begun a uh, tutoring program after school with other uh, churches in the area, working with 12 first grade students after school on Tuesdays, and we're able to see now the progress that's going on as we're teaching them uh, to read and to spell and to do math. Teachers have commented they've been seeing improvement there as well. And we're also uh, praying with them and leading them in a devotional time, and for many of them that's the only contact with church they have. So that is another exciting ministry. We also started a uh, podcast. The sermons have been online for some time uh, on our website, but now we actually have a podcast that is able to kind of update regularly so people can listen to that wherever they are, whatever's going on. We've also had a mission trip. Members of our church going on various mission trips to Guatemala or uh, to Colorado. Some of those seem more vacation-like than others, I suppose, but but I promise you they were both mission trips. And then one one thing I want to specifically highlight is our kids' Sunday school, which has begun the Godly Play curriculum, which is something that we had wanted to get started for some time and didn't know how to do it, and Kelly Owen's going to be mad at me. I'm <laughs> call her out here. She has been um, particularly instrumental in getting that started and up and going, and it is going really well. And that is something I'm very thankful for. And several, several of you here have actually uh, helped out in rearranging that whole room and redesigning and redoing it. So if you have not been around in that uh, last Sunday school room on the end, the closest one here, Definitely check that out. The space is really lovely and inviting for kids to come in and to learn the stories of the Bible in a tangible way where it's kind of hands-on, and I can tell you it works. One of uh, one week, I had one of my sons tell me the story uh, that they had learned in class that day, and he took me through the entire story, and I was like, well, we may not make it for lunch. But uh, he had all the details still there. He may get that from his dad. Anyway... But those are things that I am thankful for, for this, uh, for this church, this congregation, and the ministries that are going on and, uh, and the ways that God is using this church. But, you know that there's a but coming, right? See, this is, here's, here's the difference. If I were, if this was like a stockholders meeting or something, I would say, these are things that are going great, let's go home. <laughs> but no, there's more to say. There's a lot going on. Oh, wait, there's one more thing I want to say. And that's, there's so much more going on even beyond these things I've mentioned that kind of have a program name attached to them, a Sunday school or a VBS or those sorts of things. There's a lot that this church is involved in, uh, meeting the needs of the church and the community that just happen apart from any programmatic name attached. And I do want to read just a portion of a letter that I got recently uh, from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. It's one of those letters you kind of... 
open with fear and trembling, I think. But anyway. Dear Reverend McGee, on behalf of the men and women of the Del Rio Border Patrol sector, please accept my sincere gratitude for your support following the death of Border Patrol agent Tyler R. Robledo, who died in the line of duty September 12, 2014. His death underscores the perils of our profession, but also reminds us of the dedication and heroism of those who serve, some of whom make the ultimate sacrifice. Then he says, without hesitation, your congregation came together to prepare a reception for the agents of the Carrizo Springs Station immediately following the memorial services held for Agent Robledo. This outpouring of love and compassion for the men and women under my charge gives me great comfort as I know that community members will welcome our folks and rally around them in their time of loss and mourning. You have my heartfelt gratitude for everything you did for my agents and what you continue to do for the Robledo family during this extremely difficult time. It goes on from there, and you all are welcome to read this afterwards. That is from uh, Chief Patrol Agent Rodolfo Karish. And that is just one example of the ways that this church is involved in meeting the needs of those in need without a particular program name attached. But, like I say, there's still more to look at. While we are thankful for what, what's going on in the life of this church, we have to remember a couple things. First of all, it's not our church. It's not my church. I talked to a pastor recently who said that someone had gotten on to them about your leading your church to do and he said, you know, I didn't realize this was my church. And it's not. It's not my church, but it's not our church either in the sense of ownership. Now it is maybe in the sense of belonging, but not an ownership. This church is Jesus' church. And so when we look at what we're doing, before we evaluate whether the, all these things that we're doing are good things or bad things, we also have to remember that because it's his church, he's the one that gets to set the standard. He's the one that gets to set the agenda and the purpose for the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, you know, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Do you hear that? This is what Jesus is doing with his church. By the way, I've said multiple times here I wish that there was such thing as a Texas Bible where it would actually say, you know, you for singular you and y'all for plural you. Because in the original language, it has that in there. But English doesn't do that, at least in the parts of the country that are publishing these Bibles. And so, uh, and so we, miss, we miss hearing when it's supposed to be just you and when it's supposed to be just everybody you. But I think the same thing happens when we read the word church in our Bibles and we think it's talking about just this particular church. Well, it certainly applies to this particular church, but we're missing a lot if we don't see how that relates to the whole church. And so some of the things that we mention, 
was highlighting earlier, are things that we are doing across congregational boundaries, things that we're working with other congregations in the same area as a part of the whole church working together. But we also see that this is what Jesus is doing, is working with his whole church to make all of us together holy, to make all of us together prepared and ready to meet him as a bride prepared to meet her groom. So this is what's going on. And so if he gets to set this agenda, this is his purpose for us. We read earlier in Ephesians 2 that we have been saved by grace. And it's not by works and no one can boast. But it goes on to say, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He knows what it is that's going to make us who he's created us to be. The things that we do, the way that we live in trust and reliance on him in everything. And so he says, here's what you do. Here's how this goes. We've already talked about it a little bit, but here it goes again. Matthew uh, 22, 34 to 40. It's hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Did you hear that? All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything else comes from these. Now, we're not going to go through all 613 laws identified in the Old Testament. But we'll just take, you know, the, the big ten, right? The ten commandments. And even there, you can see what it is that Jesus is talking about. For example... Why is it that the first commandment is that you shall have no other gods before me? Well, because we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why do we not make any other idols? Because we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why do we respect God's name? Because we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why do we remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Because we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what about our... Uh, why, do we, why is it that we honor our parents? even when we don't feel like it. Because we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Why is it that I can't murder somebody? Because we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, why not, why not commit adultery? Is there anything wrong with that? Because we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Why can't we steal from somebody? Because we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Why do we not uh, give false testimony? Can we not just lie to everybody? No, because we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And why is it that we can't covet what somebody else has? Because we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's all the same thing. Somebody's listening. That was awesome, by the way. Because he gets it. It's all the same. It's the same thing. And if you go through all the rest of them, it all comes back to those two things. It all is leading people in these directions. And the reason it's leading people in those directions is because what we want to do naturally is neither of those things. And so we, we have to come up with all these other laws. God has all these other laws of do these things 
to steer us back on track when we keep getting off track. And so Jesus says, you just do those two things. That's what you are to do as people called by God. And then, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, we have the disciples who have been with Jesus, who have followed him around. This is what the disciples are, people who are following Jesus, who are learning from him, who are getting to know him, and who are becoming like him. And they've been with him. They've heard him teach. They've heard him preach. They've seen him perform miracles. They've seen him heal people. They've heard him talk about the kingdom of God and what that's all about. And then they saw him get killed. But now they've seen him alive again, raised from the dead. And so, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what we call the Great Commission. I mentioned with the kids earlier. And this wasn't just for those first disciples, but it's for all of us who are part of his church that he has called, that he is preparing, that he has equipped. When it says that God has work that he has prepared for us to do, I think maybe these might be those. To go make disciples, baptizing and teaching. Well, these have been looked at by others and boiled down into these five things. Evangelism, worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry. And you actually have a bulletin insert that has all this listed out so you don't have to take notes. But you can write around there if you need to. And like I say, we don't get to set the agenda of what this church is to do. We don't get to set the agenda or set the standard by which we judge if we're doing well or not. That's all been set for us. What we have done is taken those five things that Jesus says, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're to love your neighbor as yourself and also you're to go make disciples by baptizing and teaching. And we've taken those five things and put them in a way that might be easy to remember. This is what we are to be, this is who we are to be and what we're to be about as a church. And we've organized it in the under the five letters in the word first. Because, hey, it's First Presbyterian Church, right? And sometimes people hear that and they say, well, that's kind of an arrogant name. Like, first and prior, like, you're, the, you're better than everybody else. We're a First Presbyterian Church. But, I think it is still a helpful name. Not because it has anything to do with that. It doesn't. But I think it, if we think of it as being what is our first priority that we make sure that we have first things first, so to speak. That we'll make sure that we're doing what it is that we are to be doing as a church. And so, for evangelism, facilitate. Facilitate new relationships with Jesus. And as we go through each of these, we can be thinking about some of the things that I've mentioned, some of the things I haven't even mentioned today about what this church is involved in. If you are actually part of another congregation, you can be thinking about your home church where you are uh, a part of that 
a part of that congregation. Facilitate new relationships with Jesus. This is something that we hope we're doing. Something that every time somebody walks through the doors of the sanctuary, I hope they hear about Jesus. Not that that is our uh, primary goal in a worship service, is evangelism. It's actually more of worshiping together. But we do have a part of evangelism in there that we do want to facilitate new relationships with Jesus. But that is primarily something that is to happen outside of the walls of the church building and something that is to be a part of who the church is as we go out and we uh, relate to people uh, in our everyday lives. We find out there are people who, around us that don't know Jesus, who don't have a relationship with him. We can't save them, but we can certainly uh, help to facilitate them getting to know who Jesus is for real, clear away any misconceptions they may have, um, and help them to get to know the real Jesus. Secondly is the letter I for incline our hearts toward the Lord. And, uh, and this is one of those things that sometimes people think is only something that happens in a worship service where we gather together to incline our hearts to the Lord together, which it certainly is. But it's also something that has to do with everywhere we are. Are we either inclining our hearts toward God, bowing down to him, or are we inclining our hearts away from God, running and hiding from him? In everything we do. When we first get up in the morning, you know, we saw the uh, Deuteronomy passage saying, you know, when you lie down and when you get up and when you uh, sit at home and when you walk along the road, this is an all-of-life kind of thing. And so the question is, when you first get up in the morning, are we bowing down to God? Or are we running and hiding from Him? When we go to work, at work, are we bowing down to God or are we trying to run and hide from Him? When we have free time, Are we bowing down to God or are we running and hiding from him? When we are hanging out with our friends or our families, are we bowing down to God or trying to run and hide from him? We are obviously to be those who are bowing down to him in everything. Letter R, relate to one another in intimate community. This is fellowship, which is more than just being around each other. It's actually getting to know each other. You know that if, uh, if and when tragedy strikes personally, you don't call the person that you see occasionally and make small talk about the weather. That's not who you call. You call somebody that you know well and that you know knows you well. And we are to be that kind of a family as we welcome each other as a part of the family of God and we get to know each other, to care for each other in those ways. Letter S. To stimulate one another to grow to maturity in Christ. This is helping people to understand what it looks like to be a part of that lifelong process of growth to maturity in Christ. We all start out as babies. And we don't grow all at once, but it happens little by little over time. And so to help each other continually take that next step, sometimes encouraging, sometimes challenging. I will tell you, I have made, I've done a lot of good things in my life and made a lot of good decisions that had nothing to do with me, but had everything to do 
with who I was around that was encouraging me or challenging me to do things that I knew I should do, I just didn't want to do it. And had it been up to me, had I been on my own, I would not have done those things, would not have made those decisions. It says, this is what we are to do together, to help each other, to continually encourage each other, challenge each other, to continue to grow, which is another thing we've been seeing all through the book of Hebrews. Keep on going, keep on keeping on. And then finally, letter T, tend to the needs of others in love, compassionately serving others by putting the gifts God has given us into action. Serving the needs of others with compassion. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. This is very different, by the way, than, um, than finding out that there is a need and you meet that need because you can, but you really don't want to, and you do it grudgingly and complain about it the whole way there and back. But actually reaching out in love and compassion, saying if... If this were me, this is how I would feel, and this is the help I would want, and reaching out that way. And I have to say, I have seen this church do that an awful lot, and I don't know. I was trying to think if I've ever heard anybody in this church complain about having to help somebody in need, and I could not think of a single example. And maybe that's the fault of my own mind, but maybe... Maybe that's because this church really is that good at meeting the needs of others in love and with, with that compassion. And I could think of lots of examples when I've seen that happen. So, if this is who we are to be, if this is what we are to do, the question then is, how are we doing? And with that, let me come back up here now. And with that, the temptation, of course, is going to be to think of a few examples of where, well, we're supposed to do this, and I can think of a time where we did that. So, we're great. Let's move on. And I think it is good to celebrate those things. But I think it's also good to remember that we are never finished growing. And that we can always grow as individuals. That we can always grow as a church who's been called together. And so as a part of this church, or as a part of the whole church, whatever congregation you belong to, the real question is, in which of these areas are you currently being challenged to grow more? To facilitate new relationships with Jesus? To incline our hearts to the Lord? To relate to one another in intimate community? To stimulate one another to grow to maturity in Christ? To tend to the needs of others in love? And then also, realizing that not only does the church extend beyond the boundaries of any local congregation, but it also extends generationally through time. This is where you saw in Deuteronomy again, that teach these things to your children and to their children after them. That's to be an ongoing, down through the generations kind of thing. So notice that several of the ministries I mentioned and highlighted earlier are those that are committed to reaching those of the younger generation. But that's one of the one of the questions we have to ask ourselves. How are we how are we doing these five things for this next generation and how are we equipping the next generation to do these five things 
even for the next generation. This is a lot to think about. And we will continue to think about these things together as a church. But for today, a day of thanksgiving, let's thank God for calling us to himself, for doing for us what we could not do to bring us to himself through Jesus, for giving us new minds, new hearts, new souls, and new strength to love him and his people as we have the privilege of serving him in such a variety of ways and and to thank him for being with us through it all. Not only to guide and direct us, but to empower us to do his work his way. We would truly be his people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.